Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Eva Giselle. Hi Eva. Hi there. How are you today? Pretty good. How are you? Very well. Thanks for being on the show with me today. It's a pleasure yeah, to have course. you. So Eva, what do you like to be known for? You know, I've been mulling over that question for a long time, actually, since you asked me to be on this podcast. And I think what I decided is that I like to be known for being an up-and-coming digital designer who has an interesting skill set because I do graphic design, digital design, illustration, um, front-end web development. Um, I can make lots of different things, and that's kind of what I like to be known for. Have you always been an artistic person? Like oh, God, always. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always that weird kid in the back of the class with my sketchbook, and... Um, it actually kind of got me in a lot of trouble with teachers sometimes. So was it a case of, you know, you were meant to be doing math and you'd be drawing pictures of <laughs> Yeah, kind of. I mean, lots of teachers didn't care because I was always good at school. But some teachers just didn't, because I was always listening, right? But some teachers didn't like me constantly doodling back there. I mean, it, of course, it stopped being a problem once I got into design school. But... Until then, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think when in design school, that's when they'd have a problem if you do a math in the back of the class. <laughs> exactly. So how how old were you when you first started showing tendencies to, to create things? Well, some of my earliest memories were actually of being on the computer and looking up at, well, at the time was uh, America Online and thinking, wow, this is an amazing tool. And I bet you could do lots of really interesting stuff with this. And... So ever since then, I've just opened paint and I started messing around in there and I guess I figured out a way to put it up on the internet and it's kind of all history from there. Paint is an interesting starting point, <laughs> right? It's like everybody's baby's first editing program, right? Are you studying at the moment or have you finished study? I actually graduated last year with my bachelor's degree in new media design. What is new media design? Um, well, the design school that I went to, there were three different concentrations of graphic design. And one of them was production, which was like letterpress, physical stuff, traditional design. Um, one was graphic design, which is more like branding and graphics. And then there was digital or new media design, which is basically digital design. And uh, what we studied there was making apps and websites and motion graphics and basically all things digital. It's an interesting new kind of way, a take on this stuff, right? So rather than yeah. having to apply skills that you learned in graphic design to the internet, you now learn to design for the internet. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's always kind of the issue with education that revolves around technology, though, but it's always going to be a few steps behind. So you need to be proactive in your own education because those technology courses at universities just aren't going to teach you everything. Because I, I assume that they're set, you know, the, the curriculum and the syllabus is set at a certain point and technology doesn't wait for that. So you've got, I guess you've got to keep yourself up to date with new design languages and stuff. You know, I guess if you're working, if you're doing app design, you've probably, you know, iOS 7 gets released and people still look at iOS 6 screenshots potentially in a textbook <laughs> yeah. and it's a totally different world. Technology waits for nobody. What would you say that the doing new media design as opposed to just maybe standard graphic design or, or another uh, form of like creative um, study, what extra skills do you think that you've learned? 
Um, I think that the interactivity as a part of the design process is really important in that respect because for most other forms of design, you're sort of designing for a one-way kind of communication. I mean, take a poster, for example. You are designing a poster that the purpose of which is to communicate an idea or information or something. But when you're designing in a digital medium, like an app or a website, there's a two-way communication going. You have to also design for what the user is going to do. So it's almost like a dialogue. Do you have experience with coding? Um, yes, I do front-end web development. Do you, um, I mean, I'm probably going to show my, my lack of knowledge and stuff, but do you do your design in code? Um, no, but that is something that I would like to experiment with. Uh, I usually mock something up you know, I make a standard picture of a website. And then sometimes if I have time, I like to animate it. So I make a uh, animated prototype in After Effects or something just to show how the interactions will go. Because that's really, that's really what the meat of the design is, I think. The, the designing in code thing seems really strange to me because mm -hmm. it doesn't... When I think of somebody designing something, I imagine them covered in paint and with a pencil behind the <laughs> ear. And and writing numbers and text and lines as a way to do that sort of stuff seems very strange to me. And that might be because I'm away from it. Do, do you feel that sort of disconnect thinking of those sort of things? Or do they do they intertwine with you? Are they one and the same? You mean going straight to designing in the code itself? Mm -hmm. um, I guess for me, there's still a little bit of disconnect there. Uh, I, it's something that I would really like to try. But again, I just can't picture going directly into it without at least sketching out ideas or making assets first. When in your life did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in, in this sort of field? Well, I grew up in a household where my dad was an engineer and my mom was a software engineer. And when I was a kid, um, she was actually a game developer and she would take me into work with her. So when I was like, seven or eight years old, my mom brought me into this game development studio called Humongous Entertainment. Um, you might be familiar with it. They made stuff like Freddy the Fish and Spy Fox and Pajama Sam, Backyard Baseball. Um, 90s kids are probably losing their minds right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I would go in with her and the first thing I would do is sneak off to where the game artists and designers were. And I would kind of like hide behind their desk and I would peer over their shoulders at what they were doing. And they had these big, beautiful monitors and these huge Wacom tablets. And they just sat there all day making like a big, gorgeous button or a, a landscape for the background. And I mean, I was sitting there thinking, this is so cool. They actually get paid in real money to do this stuff. I would do that for free. <laughs> and I don't know, ever since then, I've just sort of went along with it. I never really knew what I was doing and I never considered it a career move, but what ended up what started out as a weird hobby ended up being my career. Have you ever had any times where you wanted to just pack it all in and try something else, maybe run off to the circus or something? <laughs> um there was a moment I think in high school where I really wanted to go to the University of Washington and I wanted to be a geneticist. And then I had this awful AP biology professor, or I guess teacher since it was high school, who just did not like me. And again, it was because I was always drawing. I mean, I was always listening and I always got straight A's, but she just beat that out of me. And now I'm just like 
suck it, Mrs. Leisure. Now I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> no, I want to take a quick moment just to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code tallyho one Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates that you can get started with and tons of style options that you can adjust and tweak so you can really craft your own space online. Squarespace take care of all the nasty things too, like hosting, SEO, and they even make sure that your site looks fantastic on any device because they implement responsive web design right out of the box. All of these nasty things, when I say nasty, of course Squarespace does them incredibly, but I mean the really difficult things, the things that I don't know how to do. That's why I've been using Squarespace myself for many years because when I want to start a web project, I just want to go somewhere that I can have a beautiful looking website that's going to have everything that I need built right in, out of the box, with no fuss. Squarespace has over 70 dedicated support employee team people on their customer care team and they're there for you whenever you need them and they're based in New York City. They also have two brand new iOS apps for their Squarespace customers. Squarespace Blog, which allows you to post to your blog on the go and Squarespace Metrics, which allows you to see all the traffic that you're going to get to your website too. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure that you get 10% off and support the show by using the offer code TallyHo1. So thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Command Space. So what? tell me about some of the projects that people would know you for. What, what would you be known on the interwebs for having created? Um, I think on the interwebs, lots of people would see the work that I've done for the Loot magazine. Um, I work with Jim Dalrymple on the visuals for the app and the covers and stuff that you see in the app store, you know, things like that. How did this opportunity come to you to work with Jim? Uh, one day I got a direct message from him on Twitter saying, call me. And I was like... Okay. It's how Jim does business. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, when the beard asks you to call him, you call him. Yep. And he just said, hey, I want you to write an article for The Loop. And I was like, well, all right. So I wrote an article on digital design as I see it. And he came back to me and he said, hey, I love this. Um, I have some more work for you. Would you like to do visuals? So ever since then, I've made, uh, gosh, like close to... 20 covers now and visuals for the app and yeah it just it's awesome what are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on even some of those that were less well known what what when you think back is some of your favorite stuff that you've done um i think that i had a lot of interesting assignments when i was in design school uh just under a year ago um For example, we had this one assignment where we had to come up with an iPad app and design it. And I always thought it'd be interesting to see what social media would look like in your local area if it was all visualized. And you could see what people were talking about and you could see what music people were listening to, just like based on whatever location you pick. So I ended up making an iPad app that did just that. And some developers have actually, they've come to me and been like, hey, so considering all the APIs involved in this, it'd be a nightmare, but I think that we could actually make this a thing, which I didn't think was possible, but it's, 
it's always been kind of a treat seeing that people respond positively to something that I just sort of wanted to my, you know, to make for myself. Do you have any dream projects? Do you have any companies that you'd love to work for or things that you'd love to do but you've not been able to crack? Um, gosh, I don't really know. Uh, I try to set my expectations up for failure, but I guess my dream job would be doing uh, it would be a position where I'd be doing everything from motion graphics to front end web development to design to illustration. I mean, something that would actually harness everything that I can do. Just something that is all encompassing. It keeps you completely engaged. You can use all these different parts of your brain and your skills all the time kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's interesting about being being an illustrator and also a designer is because one is very much about feeling and one is very much about thinking. And I need to do both. Otherwise, same with coding. Coding is definitely a thinking and logical thing. And I, I need all of that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the creative process and, and what you go through from when you start to finish of a, of a project. So when you get a brief through or when you get somebody who asks you to do some work or you come up with an idea yourself, how do you start collecting and planning out your thoughts for how you're going to, to, to like complete the project? It always depends on what kind of project it is, I suppose. But everything starts with crappy doodles and sketches. Um, I kind of have a history of abusing sketchbooks. Like uh, my last moleskin, I poured almost an entire pint of espresso stout on it and then I kept using it until it was full. So <laughs> clients, were, clients were getting wireframes that looked like somebody had puked on them. And I, I tried my best to Photoshop it out, but <laughs> it didn't quite work. Oh, so you would actually scan the, the sketches that were covered in coffee? Oh, sometimes, yeah. Cool. So maybe had that, like, you know, I don't know if you did this, but we would get assignments in school to make a map or a scroll, mm -hmm. and you would, like, write it on a piece of paper, and you'd get coffee, and you'd rub it on to make it look old-timey. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> it, it was actually entirely an accident. I'm just very clumsy. But everything starts with sketches, I think. So what tools do you use? Obviously, sketching, you must be a pen and paper person at first. Do you, when it comes to putting things in digitally, do you use a, a Wacom tablet? Yes. Um, for a lot of illustrative properties, I use a Wacom tablet. Um, but I am I am a lover of Photoshop. I do almost everything in Photoshop. So what sort of what input method do you tend to use? Do you use the tablet or do you... Do you I, I don't know. Can you do this sort of stuff with a mouse? Yeah, I do. Um, I use a mouse and a tablet. I usually use my mouse on top of my tablet, actually. And then I just pick up the pen and do whatever... Um, little illustrative things that I need to do. Would it be right in assuming that most of your work, if not all, ends up in digital form at the end? Oh, yeah, say. for sure. What What's most natural to you, the pen and paper option or the digital option? You know, I wish I could say pen and paper, yeah. but when it comes to doing design, I would say that digital. It's probably it's for the best. Yeah, it's it's more editable that way. I mean, the paper is more for the ideas, but once I actually get down to the nitty-gritty of it, I'd rather just do it on a screen. So after That's it's going to live anyways. Yeah, exactly. So it, it makes sense for sure. After you've read a brief um, and you maybe start to do some research on the, the project at hand, where do your ideas come from? Where does your inspiration come from? 
Um, I really like looking at the work of other designers, but not too much because if you start getting into it and you start looking at the portfolios of designers who are way more talented than you, then you get anxious and you get in this little mind loop where your your possibilities kind of get narrowed down. Um, I like to look at how problems are solved as opposed to how they were actually carried out. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just try to look at the concepts of ways that that project has been solved before. Can this be a long process or do sometimes the ideas just pop up into your head and immediately take form? You know, it's either one or the other. Either I get an immediate solution and I can't get it out of my head and no matter what else I come up with, I just can't come up with anything better than that. Or it takes me several days and then finally one late night at like 1 a.m. I'm like, yes, this is it. You like wake up in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely a night person. So I think most of my best ideas happen after midnight. Do you work? Do you work throughout the night when you're on a project? Um, You know, I used to. It worked very well when I was in design school. Sure. But (laughs) now I have a day job. (laughs) (laughs) Right, of course. Funny how that happens. So I I try to, but it isn't, my, my nights aren't as late as they used to be. So you've had your initial sketches and your initial ideas for how you're going to tackle a project. Um, what comes next? How do you decide how something's going to look, like the overall feel of a piece and the colors that you use? How do you work those out? Well, it's it's mostly functional. Um, I usually just, it's something that I develop in my head while I'm coming up with the wireframes and the actual functionality of it. I mean, first you apply logic to it and you think, okay, somebody's coming to let's say I'm designing a website, somebody is coming to this website for a reason. What is that? And what are they looking for? And how easy should it be to find that stuff? And then while I'm doing this, usually it just becomes visual in my head. And then by the time that it gets to the pretty like, oh, I'm going to pick blue because blue feels nice. Mm. It just sort of comes out naturally. What about typefaces? Is that the same same deal? Do you have like sort of favorites that you use or do you like approach that in the same way, whatever fits the project? I definitely have favorites, but it's mostly what works best for the project. I mean, every typeface has a different feel and a different purpose and you have to take that into account when you're designing something. What is your current favorite typeface? Oh, you know, there may be haters, but I love Gotham. Hey, I, I, I'm not enough of a, a, a typeface nerd to, to criticize anyway. I mean, they all look good to me, really, except Comic Sans, of course. <laughs> you know the screen that comes up before movies that says, uh, this film has been rated R? Yep. That entire screen is set in Gotham. Looks good. I, I'll take yes, that. Yes, it does. <laughs> so what about um, the, the, the client in all of this? What is mm. your feeling on the balance of, of how much input they give and what you create in in the ideal scenario what is the balance of that do you just make something out of your mind and give it back to them or do you want them to be involved in the process as you're going along you know i think the best kind of client realizes that they're hiring a designer to design something so rather than coming to me with hey i want you to make this in this way and i want this and this and this on the front page or i want this and this and this I prefer that they come to me with a problem and then I make the solution for them. So I'll come back to them with a 
something that I made completely. And then they, instead of telling me specifically what to change, I'd much rather they tell me what feels wrong or what it doesn't accomplish that they would like it to. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Do you have um, some trusted people in your life that you're happy to have critique your work for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that was one of the main benefits about going to design school is I met so many wonderful, talented designers who, well, we all stay in touch now. So it's it's so great to have that resource. And Twitter's really good for that too. So do you just tweet stuff that you're working on and get, get feedback? Oh, no, I'm much too self-conscious to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's more that I, I find other designers on there and then I start ah, networking with them. And then I send to them, you know, privately. Yeah, you DM them. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So... Are you into Dribbble? Are you a, a community user of Dribbble? You know, I actually don't use Dribbble very much. Um, I really like skimming it every now and then and seeing what people are working on. But I think the last time I posted was like a year ago. <laughs> I think that you have to have a pretty thick skin to post well, to Dribbble. I'm not even sure if that's true. There's not a lot of, uh, from what I've seen anyways, there's not a lot of critiquing that goes on on Dribbble. And I think that's why I don't really post. Okay. Maybe you would prefer it if it was more constructive. Yeah, probably. How are you with feedback? Do you, do you welcome it? Like, how do you feel if somebody criticizes your work? Oh, I love it. If somebody can make something I'm working on better, I would love to hear all of it. If somebody's going to tell me that something sucks, I'd rather they tell me that it sucks than me put it out there and everybody's secretly being like, holy, that's awful. <laughs> so you learn from this process then? Oh, yeah. It's one of the most valuable learning processes that a designer can go through, I think. How do you promote yourself to make sure that you, you're, you're finding work or have you done this in the past? I know you mentioned that you're in a, in a job at the moment. Um, you know, I don't really – I've never really actively promoted myself. Um, I, I do a lot of tweets on a website called Twitter.com, mm-hmm. and most people have found me through that. It's interesting, isn't it? That, yeah, it is. That this, it, it's Twitter doesn't really seem to have a purpose anymore. It's, it's a bunch of different things that it does. You know, some people use it just to communicate. Some people use it just to consume, and then people find and build working relationships on it. And I've I've done it for all of those things myself. It's, it's an I interesting think, place. I think that's what's so great about it. I mean, I don't even consider my Twitter account professional or anything, but somehow it has landed me lots of jobs and business connections and even friends. Was there a project that you would consider to be your break into the industry? Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure that I've had that project yet, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, you, you obviously have some stuff which is, is gaining you some work and, and notoriety and people know who you are. But Yeah, it's more, it's more consistent traction than it right. is like An explosion. a big debut. Yeah. How do you keep learning? The internet. The internet is obviously a great resource for learning how to build the internet. Um, One thing about being a digital designer is that you always need to be learning or going to fall behind very quickly. So being surrounding yourself with a network of people who know what they're doing more than you do is so cool because you get to learn from them every day. Do you have anybody at the moment that's work, the work that re, you really admire? Like, is there anybody you're looking at right now and you're like, that's that's the best stuff I see right now? Um, I recently uh, 
<laughs> made friends with Julie Horvath. I'm not sure if I said her last name right, but she uh, works for GitHub and she um, is the organizer of passion projects. And everything that she does for, well, be it for like the tech community or teaching people how to code better, I, I think that everything that she does is great. Hi, Julie, you're cool. <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> Now, I want to take a quick break just before we carry on to talk about our second sponsor for this week, and that is FreshBooks. Are you still using Word or Excel to create your invoices? Do you have a shoebox of receipts to keep track of your expenses? Well, you can save time and get paid faster with FreshBooks. They are the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you save time billing and get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can easily create invoices online, capture and track expenses on the go, and get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. You can try FreshBooks for free by signing up at getfreshbooks.com. But here's the delicious part. FreshBooks is doing something special for listeners of Command Space. Every day, they're giving a birthday cake away to someone who signs up for a new account by list- because they listen to this show. So for your chance to win, enter Command Space... So it's CMD and the little plus sign space in the how did you hear about us section when signing up for your new account. With FreshBooks, every day could be your birthday. And that's not just because they send cake. It's because they make everything so awesome when you need to get paid. So go sign up at getfreshbooks.com. So, I mean, we've spoken about how you look at the creative process yourself and some of your work, some of your own work. Do you have any thoughts on where you see your industry moving? Like, is, is there, are there any sort of trends that are occurring at the moment that you think might shake things up in the long run? Um, or do you, can you see any tools that you think might be really interesting? In the long run, mm-hmm. um, I think that digital design is going to lean towards interaction much more than it already is. Um, and that is because... I don't think that the human race is going to be staring down at these little glass rectangles and tapping at them with their thumbs for the rest of humanity. I just don't think that that is a thing that's going to last. I love the iPhone. I'm married to my iPhone, basically. But I don't think that that is what design is going to look like for people in the next decade, two decades, three decades. And I, I mean, like, I'm just speculating. I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but I'm willing to bet that it has a lot more do, to do with interaction than it does with visual design. I think that we're part of a generation that's seen very rapid changes in technology. So I think it's, it's I mean, I know that whenever I think about stuff like that, any sort of technology, that there will be something else. Is, is the way that I always think about it. Everything that we're using right now exactly. is fine. But- Everything is the predecessor to something that we can't even imagine right now. Like the iPhone came along and it's been, as you say, it's been this amazing tool, but there mm-hmm. wasn't an iPhone in 2006. So there could be in the next two, three, four years, some other device. That we, there could be. That's maybe somebody hasn't even thought of yet. Who knows? What about education? For people that are interested in doing the work that you do, what would you advise that they look at to start learning? You know, I went to university, um, a regular old university that had a great design program. Um, And I love the experience that I got. It made me such a better designer than I was when I went in. It, It taught me so many things. But 
I'm not sure if I would recommend that to everybody right now. Um, the cost of university, I'm not sure if that outweighs the benefits, or I think it does outweigh the benefits is what I'm saying. You think that it's, you spend far too much money for the output. Yeah, and I wish that wasn't the case, and I wish that I could tell everybody to go to university and learn how to do this stuff, but I just don't know if it's the case anymore. I mean, there are so many, there are so many ways to learn it on your own if you're motivated enough that you can find online for free or next to free that might make you a better designer than going and getting a four-year degree in it. Does a degree not help you secure a job, though? You know, I think it does. But I think also a lot of employers understand that uh, it isn't necessary anymore. So would you suggest people make a website, start making more websites, you know, just like yeah. make your own stuff? Learn by doing. Maybe take a few classes at it if that's what you're really into. I don't want to discourage anybody from going to university for it, but it's just so expensive. And I, I mean, you could do the same thing on your own. You just have to get your hands dirty. Do you think that it's enough to be really good at one thing or is it worth trying to diversify your skill set? Obviously, you have lots of different skills that you're really good at. Do you think that that's the way to go or do you think like you should put all of your eggs into one basket? You know, it really depends on the person. Um, if you are so strong at one skill, then you should pursue that skill. But you should also... I don't know, maybe try out some other ones. Um, I know, for example, knowing how to do front-end development helps me doing web design a lot because I know what's possible and how it works and how to make it work, and that affects my design decisions every single day. So if you just at least try out some other things and learn the basics, you don't have to be a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, it's cool if you are, hmm. but if you're not, then that's not a problem either. Do you think that learning code is, is the way to go, aside from just honing your skills with your art, artistic work? I think that it, it is definitely helpful. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people who says that all designers should know how to code because I don't think that that's realistic. Uh, I will, however, say that it's very helpful and, hey, maybe you'll like it. In the About section of your website, there's a quote that you wrote that I really, really liked and I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about it. And the quote is, the relationship between man and machine fascinates me. Our technology is what makes us special. I love watching how people interact with it and use it to interact with each other. What does this mean to you? That's kind of my design philosophy in a nutshell. <laughs> I think that design is the language that people use to speak with machines and they use to use machines to speak with each other. It's, it's everything that we whenever we're looking at a screen, we're using design somehow. And that's the language that I want to speak. Do you think that being a child of the internet age gives you a different perspective on this? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know that I am very optimistic about this sort of thing, whereas maybe somebody who's a little bit older might <laughs> not be so gung-ho about it. And I think that that's important too. Um, I think that it's our responsibility to use technology in ways that are healthy for us. So for me personally, I see I don't see technology as a bad thing or a or a barrier for communication. You mm -hmm. hear it quite a lot, you know, turn off your phone, you know, or that, that <laughs> of idea of never put your phone on the on the restaurant table, that sort of thing, right? The person who does that buys the drinks. Because um, <laughs> for me, my iPhone um, or my Mac 
can be the only form of communication I have with some of the most important people in my life. Oh, absolutely. So it's like kind of by moving away from those things, I'm actually cutting myself off from important people as opposed, in some instances as opposed to helping, you know, to, to, to speak to them in real life because it's actually not always possible. There is this um, cyborg anthropologist named Amber Case who said something along the lines of uh, what we have nowadays is called ambient intimacy, where we are sort of inactively connected to almost everybody we know at all times. So we can at any time decide, hey, I want to talk to this person, and then you can do that. Was that from her TED Talk? Yeah, that is. Yeah. I love that TED Talk. It's, it's so good. Um, it is so I, I, remember, I watched it a couple of years ago for the first time. And it's it's only eight minutes long. So I urge people to go and watch it. If you are interested in the internet, which I'm sure that most people listening to this have a vague interest in the internet, they would you yes. will love this this video. And if you want to find the show notes, by the way, and there's a, a link, there's links to, bun- to a bunch of stuff that we've been speaking about today and all of Eva's stuff, you can go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 82 for all of those links. Now, I've kind of come to the end of all of my serious questions. And I have like two maybe stupid questions. If, you, if you're willing to indulge. What is the quirkiest or most interesting thing that someone could find in your studio? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm looking around right now. Well, uh, under my desk right now, I do have a shake weight. Yeah, that's pretty weird. <laughs> Those things are pretty weird. That, I think that, that <laughs> no, does no, perfectly. Let me tell you why I have it. Please. So uh, I, I wanted to... I wanted to demonstrate how easy the one-click-to-buy option was on Amazon. And I had had a few pints, and um, it turns out that one-click-to-buy works really well. I appreciate the Britishism of pints. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, shake weight is definitely something I can imagine somebody would buy after a couple of drinks. Yeah. And my last question. What's it like to be followed by Justin Bieber? <laughs> well, there are a lot of uh, teenagers who are very angry at me. And there are a lot of teenagers who would very much like me to DM him for them. Right. And I won't. And, you know, I think the best part about it is don't tell them, but I don't follow Justin back. Ooh. Yeah, you need to never say that. <laughs> if you think it's bad now, it'll be really. Oh, bad they would now. be. They would be so mad. Do they ever stop? Like, is it a constant thing? Do you get Do you get people contacting you every day for this stuff, or was it just when it initially happened? You know, the first day it was really bad. I I got like five hundred new followers, and people were scouring my timeline and replying to everything, and it was actually kind of scary. But now it's just sort of a steady trickle of um, crazy people. This was quite recent, this happened, right? Yeah, it had just happened a few weeks ago, I think. Are you at all to blame for his current decline? Um, I would say that I'm directly responsible for that, yes. Okay, I'm pleased that we cleared that up. Eva, it's been uh, yeah, a- I'm- Go ahead. Oh, I'm, just, I'm willing to take responsibility for that. That's fine. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> Eva, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Why don't you tell people where they can find your work and get in contact with you on the internet if you would like to do so. You can find my portfolio at www.evagiselle.com. That is E-V-A-G-I-S-E-L-L-E. And you can find me on Twitter under the same name, Eva Giselle. 
I like that you're bringing back the WWW. <laughs> That's where it's at, the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. It's been an Thank absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike. If you want to, as I mentioned, I'll say it again. If you want to find the show notes for today's episode, it's 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 82. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Command Space. I'll be back next week with another episode of the show. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Until then, bye-bye.